Turn to Acts chapter 22. God is happy. I remember the first time I read that about God being infinitely happy. And that was such a blessing to know that there is this being in the universe and understanding that if you think that Adam and Eve messed him up in the Garden of Eden, you're not thinking back far enough. Uh, do, you, do you think that he was surprised by that event in the Garden of Eden in the least bit? Or had he already planned a long ways past the Garden of Eden to the cross of Calvary and to heaven beyond that before he ever created the Garden of Eden and let the devil in? If he didn't want it to happen in the Garden of Eden, why didn't he keep the devil out? He knew how to put up a flaming cherub to keep the way of the tree of life. Why didn't he put up a flaming cherub to keep the way of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Because it was part of his plan. Does that disappoint you or surprise you or shock you? It shocks me to think of a God that it wasn't part of his plan. I can't even comprehend it. Why is he called God if that wasn't part of his plan? He was taken advantage of by men. That's ridiculous. God is infinitely happy. There's many more verses that can be raised. We'll leave it where we've been. Now, God wants you to be happy. Have we focused too much attention in the history of this church on dreading God? Then God forgive me. But the balance is there if you'll listen. My sober mandate from God's Word is His balance, not what you think is balance. I hope that you'll recall delighting in God, my favorite verse, my favorite sermon. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Psalm 37.4 I hope that you can recall knowing God and how we developed the attributes of God and worked into the relational, the relational attributes that are different from what all systematic theologies have about God and His attributes. How about He is altogether lovely series of messages? How about the unsearchable riches of Christ? There wasn't anything dreadful in those sermon series. Everything was wonderful because of the great salvation we have in Him. I hope that you can remember a recent PowerPoint sermon on a Wednesday evening called God Distortions in which we made another effort visually to find that crown of the road between God being too loving, where He's no longer holy and judging, and where God's too dreadful, where He's no longer loving and merciful. God's desire is for human happiness, and it even extends to the wicked. Can I show you the verse again? Acts 14, 17. It's the Word of God. I want you to know it's there. When there were idolaters that were worshiping Paul and Barnabas, Paul corrected them by pointing out that they were just men like those idolaters and that they shouldn't be worshiping Paul and Barnabas. Verse 15 of Acts 14. Sirs, this is Paul speaking. Paul's ripped his clothes in verse 14. He's running among this crowd that's trying to worship him. Have you ever seen Pope Frank do that? Did Pope Innocent III ever do that? Run into the crowd, rip his clothes and say, Stop worshiping me! Are you kidding? He gives him a thumbs up, baby. Bow down and kiss the ring on my middle toe. Paul was so different. Sirs, why do ye these things? We also are men of like passions with you. 
and preach unto you that ye should turn from these vanities unto the living God. The Bible throughout calls idols vanities because they're empty, worthless ideas of a God which made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are therein, who in times past suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, even when he was letting other nations have their own religions, nevertheless, he left not himself without witness in that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. There's a God in heaven by the fact that rain falls, plants come up, you can make a meal out of what comes up out of the earth, and when you eat that good meal, you have food and gladness in your heart. That is a testimony that God is good. It is a witness that He has left in the earth that men should worship Him. I want you to see that. Our God is so good. You know that in Matthew 5, it says He sends His rain and His sunshine on the evil and the good. He sends it on both. And it is a testimony. It should extract from us greater thanksgiving. It will will put upon them greater damnation. It will accumulate to their damnation for not thanking the God that testified of Himself in His goodness. In Nathan's prayer a little while ago, he mentioned God touching our cheeks with sun rays. Those sun rays testify of the goodness of God. When you are embraced by the warmth of that sun, you better give glory to Him. It will turn to their condemnation. His creation thrills men. Sunrises, hummingbirds, sex, aptitudes. Think about these things that God gives to all men. Friends, taste buds, music, seasons, speech, flowers, skin, water, jet skis, water. Come on. It's a gift. He could have covered it all up with dry ground. Lions, food, laughter. Alcohol, wine to make glad the heart of man. I mean, just the list just, just goes on. He's created all these things to thrill men. He is good. And he wants men to be happy. He's offered himself in the creation, he's offered himself in food and gladness and warmth inside us. He kisses us on our cheeks, and most men just go through life and ignore him. I hope we thank him, praise him, love him, and, and obey him. Life is a gift. Not a curse. Yes, we messed it up. But He has adopted us as children and He's going to start all over again with us in a new universe. He made everything very good. We sought out the many inventions to mess things up. Even a natural man, listen, even a natural man, a reprobate damned to hell, can prosper in life if he follows the Bible's lifestyle. Those nations that follow the principles of God's Word though they are not regenerate, will benefit by every portion of God's Word that they keep. Is there any Bible example for that? How about the integration program and the immigration program of the king of Assyria that brought in his people and put them in the land of Israel? What does it say about them? They serve their gods and they worship the Lord. So they they were reprobates. 
But there were lions in the land that were eating them all, and that's why they had to get priests to come in and teach them a little bit about how to worship the Lord Jehovah. This is a, there's a chapter in the Bible about this. Yeah. It was a mess. The lions were eating everybody. So they sent back to the king of Assyria, do you know what you've done to us? So he picked some men to go and teach them the rudiments of worshiping the Lord Jehovah. They kept worshiping their idols, but they added the worship of the Lord Jehovah, and the lions went away. Our nation has been blessed, and that doesn't mean everybody in it has been saved. Our nation's been blessed for a long time, and that doesn't mean the majority have been saved. Our nation's been blessed, like we have thought about today. And David mentioned from the pulpit that we've had principles of righteousness and truth about the Lord God, Jehovah, and Jesus Christ, his son, taught throughout this nation, even taught in our public schools up until a few decades ago. Oh, Lord, thank you. God has a full benefit package for good men to cry out in praise. Psalm 103, what's the response? Bless the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all his benefits. And if you read the next 18 verses of that chapter, that's not the whole chapter, but the the next 18 verses are just wonderful with blessing piled upon blessing. It's like looking through a benefit handbook that you got from an employer. It's the word of God, but you you can summarize it in just Psalm 103 and 18 verses. The Bible has passages that deal with directly with the issue of how to be happy on earth. I showed them to you last Lord's Day. Psalm 34, Peter quotes it in 1 Peter chapter 3. How about the book of Ecclesiastes? Isn't that to find out how to enjoy life? That it's a gift from God? That He's given this as a gift? He's given a wife as a gift? He's given a job as a gift? That you should use both? And that when you earn money, you should spend much of it and save only some of it? Because it's an evil disease not to spend it? Because the Lord rewards you in the, in the joy of your heart when you spend some of your money and get something nice? He rewards you for the hard labor of this earth. Taught in the book of Ecclesiastes. We've been there before. Heathen gods demanded your sons in sacrifice, but our God gave His only Son for us. What a difference. Heathen gods took meat and drink offerings, but our God tells us to enjoy them. Bless His holy name. Why did God create Eve? For reproduction? That's what Roman Catholics teach. For companionship. It's not good. It's not good for the man to be alone. I'll make him and help meet for him. Life with God is not usually good enough without a spouse. Ordinarily. This is not carnal evil or sinful thinking. This is quoting Genesis 2.18. I preached recently on marriage and they contribute to this topic of being happy. And this topic of being happy contributes to marriage if you'll listen carefully. Solomon's song is filled with euphoric gladness, happiness, and joy in marital love. The gifts of love, marriage, and sex are apportioned from God for our lives on earth under the sun. Who will argue against orgasms? Is that a pleasant feeling? Are you ashamed that I said that word? God gave them for pleasure. All glory to God. Consider how God himself gave the kind rule that husbands should cheer up their wives in marriage. What's the point that I'm driving at of all this? God wants you to be happy. Right. Where do you think these things that I'm mentioning came from? I won't say it again. You know, I'll say water. I'll say taste buds. I'll say sunshine. All these things that God gave us is because he wants us to be happy. He gave a testimony of goodness and kindness and happy 
happiness and pleasure and joy. And there should be one direction that we turn our hearts and our minds to give thanks, and that's to Him and no one else and no, and no thing else. Here's a hint for happiness, by the way. Regain first love with God and your spouse and forget the rest. It'll take care of itself. Regain first love with God and with your spouse. Wow. God gave wisdom for great human joy. The book of Proverbs is about wisdom so that you can look at life and see it makes sense because you understand God's role in it. Wisdom is a blessing for happiness. It, the, a foundational truth of happiness is the fear of the Lord and the wisdom that that brings. There's so many verses. Solving a problem or answering a question is a thrilling thing. And God teaches us and shows us how to do it in the book of Proverbs. The perfect book for life and eternity brings joy. Look at Jeremiah 15 and verse 16. And here's what Jeremiah said about the word of God. Thy words were found. Jeremiah 15, 16. Thy words were found and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord, God of hosts. His word is more precious to us than much fine gold. His word is sweeter than honey in the honeycomb. He delights in mercy. This God that we worship, who is infinitely and perfectly happy, gave us the principle of Matthew 12, 7. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. That is incredible. He denies himself so you don't have to. Even with his own laws. His laws. Don't you dare pick corn on the Sabbath day. The disciples picked corn on the Sabbath day. Matthew chapter 12, 1 through 7. Jesus defended them against the Pharisees who said they shouldn't be doing that. Jesus taught them. They picked a little bit today because they're hungry and they're showing themselves mercy. He said that God has given this rule and it's found several times in the Bible. Hosea 6, 6, Proverbs chapter 3 and Matthew chapter 12. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. The sacrifice being self-denial for God's commandments. Now that's a God that wants you to be happy. And he'll take you stepping on one of his commandments. Oh, we don't do it lightly, do we? Is this the same pastor that has taught you repeatedly about Nadab and Abihu offering strange fire and being burnt up by the Lord? Is this the same pastor that has taught you about David moving the Ark of the Covenant the wrong way? There was no necessity nor need. David foolishly moved the Ark of the Covenant the wrong way, and a man was killed, Uzzah, a priest, for reaching back and touching that thing. Oh, no, there's a balance, but it's going to be God's balance. And God's balance includes, if you were a disciple in the days of the Lord Jesus Christ with Pharisees just looking for you to do something wrong, you could go ahead and pick some corn and eat it right in front of them on the Sabbath day, and the Lord Jesus would defend you. And he would defend you by saying, David was once hungry, and do you know what he ate? It's a little bit worse than picking corn. He went into the tabernacle and ate the showbread. If you can't get excited and happy about this God... There's no, there's no being like him. Amen. Do you know what kind of God the Muslims serve? 
You need to strap a bomb to yourself, your wife, or your children and send them into a restaurant and push the button. More power to you. What kind of a God is that compared to ours? Right. Oh, I could, we could spend time on that. You say, you mean I will have mercy and not sacrifice? That's not toward another person? That's toward myself? Do you mean that that means I should do good toward my... Yeah. Proverbs eleven seventeen puts it this way. The merciful man doeth good to his own soul. But he that is cruel troubleth his own flesh. Troubleth his own flesh. Does that sound like the Seventh-day Adventists and Roman Catholics from Colossians chapter 2? Yes. Because God wants us to show mercy and do good to ourselves. There's a number of families missing today. They're on vacation. What kind of a punishment do they get when they call me or text me and tell me that they're going on vacation? I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. I, re- I am. Because I believe these verses. Right. I believe this God. I also know He's the dreadful and terrible God of heaven. And all men shall give an account of their lives. I can show mercy to other people too. God wants you to be happy. A church with the Holy Ghost. I showed you from Acts chapter 2 and verse 46. A church with the Holy Ghost is a church full of gladness and happiness. Eating their meat with singleness of heart and great gladness. Among those early believers. Thousands and thousands of them in Jerusalem. I could take you through the pages of Acts. Where it says that wherever the gospel went, joy followed. And there was much joy in that city from a deacon preaching to them named Philip, who was also an evangelist. Acts chapter 8, before he gets to the eunuch, he preaches in Samaria about the Lord Jesus Christ, and it says there was great joy in that city. They were turning the world upside down, in pain or in pleasure. In pleasure and joy as they preached the gospel. The Old Testament had all kinds of celebrations, but we have so much more to celebrate than they ever had. Think of their holidays or holy days. Think of their jubilee, their dances, their Sabbaths, their ties that they were supposed to eat, Canaan with everything prepared. What more could have been done for his Old Testament vineyard, he once asked. In Isaiah 5, what more could have been done? What we have. In the New Testament is what more could have been done. The cross of Calvary ushered in blessings they never had. Thank Jesus. Adoption as sons. Regeneration. The gift of the, the, the permanent gift of the Holy Spirit. The end of the law for justification. Gentiles being converted. The knowledge of how, how things truly work. And the true salvation there is in Christ. There's nothing in the Old Testament to compare with the gift of Jesus Christ. As the angels told those shepherds gathered in the hillsides of Judea that there was coming great joy and peace on earth because of a gift that God was about to give. Our present standing in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, is joyful. He told Abraham that I am thy exceeding great reward. Genesis 15.1 This God especially wants His children to be happy. He's shown goodness to all men but especially to his children. Just like he tells us, that as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good to all men, but especially them that are of the household of faith. It's basic for those in authority, origination or administration, to have happy subjects. 
Kings want their servants to be happy. Parents want their children to be happy. We do what we can. We want everyone to be of good cheer, and God wants his children to be of good cheer. Happiness is really knowing God. The foundation is knowing God and walking with him every day, delighting in him, talking with him, reading his word, trusting him, asking him to reveal things to you by his Holy Spirit, delighting in the things that he delights in, delighting in himself, delighting in the features and attributes and character traits of his nature. The Lord Jehovah created us for himself and for his own pleasure. And the more we realize that truth about our own personal, individual existence, my existence is for the glory of God. And the more we realize that and humble ourselves and look and, and look to give ourselves completely to Him, privately and publicly, personally and practically, the greater joy we have. Right. Happiness is knowing God. Those that knew Him the best were the happiest on earth. Right. The people whose God is the Lord Jehovah are a happy, prosperous people. The Bible tells us repeatedly that I don't have time to review with you right now in so many verses. Walking with God in daily fellowship and obedience is the foundation for pure joy, and if you compromise that, you will not find it in this life. You will be miserable and frustrated. You will not amount, your life will not amount to what it could and should because you are not walking with Him as the chief goal, purpose, and effort of your life. It has little to do with church attendance, Bible reading, prayer, and other externals. It has much to do with living righteously and holy in all aspects of pleasing Him, confessing your sins, and seeking to always do those things that are pleasing in His sight. Any compromise will cost you the joy and power of the Holy Spirit. Any unconfessed sins, God is going to blow against you and leave you rather than bless you and draw nigh to you. David concluded that God was his exceeding joy. And I want him to be your exceeding joy. I want him to be my exceeding joy. David was glad to go to the Lord's house to worship him. His gladness was all about the Lord and the Lord's worship and the Lord's people. I was glad when they, the companionship in the house of the Lord, David fed on God, his word, Psalm 19, Psalm 119, his people, Psalm 43, Psalm... um, 122 and other places where he wanted to be in the house of the Lord. Active joy in God provides strength and motivation that exceeds any other motivation. Threats, fear, warnings, they can work for a time, they can work a little bit, but joy and excitement, gladness and love are far stronger motivators, and that's what we ought to have. Happiness is obeying God's word. How many places do I need to show you that whatsoever man soweth that shall he also reap? If you sow joyfully into keeping God's word, if you delight in his word, he'll bless you directly, he'll bless you indirectly. He'll bless you directly by blessing you with a greater presence of his spirit and power in your life. He'll bless you indirectly by the things in your life are going to work for you for a change because you're delighting in his word. The Bible is so filled with wisdom on how to enjoy life better by doing things right. Death and hell are by sparing the rod. So we're told how to use the rod in a number of verses that tell us we can avoid death and hell. 
Honoring the office of parent is a simple rule for a good life and a long life. Do you believe it? Who would put it there and tell you that he's attached a reward to it? This blessed God that we worship who wants us to be happy. All you children, young people, let me just ask it this way. Could you possibly, with some supreme and extreme effort, honor and love and dote on your parents just a little bit more? Of course you could. Do you want to have a good life? He said he'll bless and reward you. Get to it! Where do you want to go today, Dad? Where do you want to eat lunch? See me afterwards. It's so simple. 2 plus 2 equals 4. Ephesians 6, 2 and 3 equals the good life. The Lord's not going to be mocked. Whatsoever, uh, whatsoever man soweth that shall he also reap, and be sure your sin will find you out. Happiness is knowing the gospel. Do you know what it's called? The good tidings of glad things. The beautiful feet of those that preach upon the mountains of Zion. Thy God reigneth. Amen. Isaiah 52 and verse 7 and Romans 10, 15. Knowing the gospel. You want to delight in the gospel. We started off this morning a long time ago with Colin putting Psalm 89 and verse 15 before our ears. And that is, we have heard the joyful sound. Jesus saves. That joyful sound should light us up. Happiness comes from your relationship with God, your obedience to his word, and knowing the gospel. Because the gospel is glad tidings of good things that God has done for us through Jesus Christ of a spiritual nature that are completely separate and distinct for us only, not for the wicked, not for the world, not related to all the creative things that he's done in creation. They are special and unique. And until we humble ourselves, realize our sinfulness, read the word of God with great eagerness and desire, if we don't have a Savior, we're lost forever. Until we do that, we don't realize the greatest blessings He's given us are in salvation. They come by way of the gospel and the good word of those things. Happiness is a choice. It's not circumstances like some people think. If I had better health, I'd be happier. Why? If I had more money, I'd be happier. If I had more success, the Bible doesn't teach that. That's waiting on circumstances. Some people think that it depends on feelings. If I just felt more upbeat about life, I'd be ha- Oh, if, if the chemistry with the people around me was just better, I just don't fit in. I just don't feel like I belong. There just isn't a chemistry. If I didn't have these moods, if it wasn't this venue, if it wasn't this place, if it wasn't this environment, I'd be happy. Oh, no, you wouldn't be. Many people think happiness depends on other people treating you a certain way. Why do you need other people to treat you a certain way to be happy? God's treated you in a way that no one else can even treat you. Right. And he's, he's done it in so many different facets and ways, angles and levels of goodness. You can be happy. And in this church, you have lots of brothers and friends. It's a foolish error to wait for circumstances or a situation to change to be happy. Choose to be happy because it's a choice. The Bible indicates it by making it a commandment. There are duties to God. The Bible's filled with if-then opportunities throughout it for blessings. If you'll do this, God will, God will respond with a blessing. 
It's a choice to be happy. You can choose right now to end sinful thinking and to embrace God's joy. You can choose to love a spouse right now more than you did yesterday by, by remembering where you once were, repenting of that slip that you've allowed, and doing the first works. If you can do it with them, you can do it with the Lord because it's actually that rule, three-step rule of restoring first love is for the Lord Jesus Christ. In Revelation chapter 2 and verse 5, you can do it. It's a choice. All sinful thinking, bitterness, covetousness, depression, envy, grudges, hate, pride, revenge, and so forth are fatal to happiness. And it's a choice that you allow them to exist here, here. All godly thinking, appreciation, forgiveness, forbearance, humility, thankfulness, love, mercy, should be embraced as the remedies they are. And you can make a choice to think and do those things. It's a commandment. Joy is commanded. Happiness is commanded. The Lord's told us that He only wants a happy people, so we should keep His commandments. The Bible's filled with exhortations to it. Philippians 4.4, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, is one of those places. It's got its benefits. God will bless His happy people that are zealous for Him. David was an exception because David chose to be happier in worshiping the Lord than most other men. So he went to extreme measures of wanting to do great things for the Lord because he was happier and more in love with God than most men were. And God loved him. And though there were terrible, heinous sins in David's life, it didn't matter. David was still God's favorite. Why? Because he danced with all his might. And do you know what he thought of a wife that thought it was beneath the dignity of a king to dance like that in the street? He ripped her and her entire family tree for being a bunch of profane, fake worshipers of God and never touched her again in her, in her life. Because of his zeal for the worship of God. He paid for Solomon's temple when the Lord said, I never asked for a temple, and your son will build it for me. That didn't matter to David. I've been over these points so many times. There are benefits to serving with joy and great zeal and excitement and gladness in this church and outside this church in doing the things of the Lord. God blesses such men. If we delight in Him, you cannot use Psalm 37.4 in this pulpit Unless you're going to delight in Him. Because right. it only applies to those who delight in Him. Amen. Hebrews 11.6 that says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Amen. Don't quote me that verse without diligently seeking God, because it only applies to those who diligently seek. D- David delighted. So David got the desires of his heart. Do you know what a desire of his heart was? Every king wants his son to reign after him and to reign as well as he did. Do you know what the sure mercies of David are? Do you know what David meant on his deathbed when he said, God hath made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things and sure, and this is all my salvation and all my desire? Jesus Christ was the son of David sitting on David's throne right now, 
a thousand years from now and a thousand millennia from now. Because David delighted in God. Oh, this is, we've made full circle today. Happiness has its benefits. All the days of the afflicted are evil. But he that is of a merry heart hath a continual feast. That is a pretty big difference. It's all based on the choice of being merry. And when we think of a pyramid, if you think of a pyramid, you know what it starts with basic fear of God, love of God, delight in God, not quenching or grieving His Holy Spirit presence with you. You can stick the Word of God in there. You can stick the people of God in there. And there is a pinnacle that is reserved for David's, Enoch's, Paul's, and others who have that personal relationship with God that fills their souls and drives them to do the craziest things imaginable like the Apostle Paul did all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you happy? Remember what you've heard of what it should be like. Remember the happiness you may have had at other times in your life. Repent and do the first works because it's all available by choice and the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen.